Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. As we begin the month of July, we are only 26 days from the beginning of practice for Michigan football. It will be here before you know it. On today's show, my guest will be Michigan beat writer Isaiah Hole from 24-7 Sports. Before we hear from Isaiah, a few news and notes to get us started. For the next three weeks, it will be fairly quiet on the Michigan athletic scene. The only news item today was the announcement that freshman Corey Malone Hatcher will not be playing football again. The four-star from St. Joseph's, Michigan, injured his Achilles in 2015 in high school. He recovered from that even enrolled early at Michigan and took part in this past spring practice. But on doctor's orders, Corey will not play again. He keeps his scholarship as a student, but will not count against Michigan's 85 scholarship limit. It's sad, but probably a good long-term decision for Corey. I wish him the best. In July, we spend a lot of time reading the preseason magazines and dreaming about the upcoming season. At the end of this month, Jim Harbaugh and his team will officially gather to begin preparation for the upcoming season. On our game day segment this week, we'll hear from beat writer Isaiah Hole from 24-7 Sports and get his thoughts on a lot of topics. Here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. on our game day segment this week is Isaiah Hole from 24-7 Sports, who of course covers our Wolverines. First time we've had Isaiah on the show, so welcome. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate you uh, having me on. It's uh, good to be here. Well, you know, Isaiah, here we are the first full week of July. Of course, we're recording this on the, uh, the July 4th weekend, so it's still early summer for most of us, but in just a bit more than three weeks, Michigan starts fall practice, and that is hard to believe isn't it yeah it's 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 really insane and obviously that uh extra full week of uh of fall camp means that it comes a little bit earlier that this year than it has in the past but it's unbelievable to me to think that you know we've got big 10 media days only three weeks away uh you've been uh you've been just at the end of the week then we're going to go ahead and see the team report and uh they're going to get to it pretty quickly. And, I mean, you're starting to see uh, a lot of these guys already obviously on campus, especially the uh, those true freshmen reported last weekend and uh, not this past weekend, the weekend before. But they, uh, they're getting to work. You know, they, they're, they've been in their camp circuits and everything already uh, with, uh, with some of the youngsters from high school and middle school. But when, while that's been happening at, like, the big house or outside of Glick, you take a little peek inside of the Al Glick Fieldhouse, you're starting to see a lot of these guys start to work on their stuff uh, independently. So while uh, while it's about to start here really relatively quickly, the uh, the guys are already working and they're already preparing for that July 1st, uh, sorry, July 31st start date. 
So there's not a lot going on right now. The preseason mags are out. One of the things that uh, I wanted to ask you about, though, Isaiah, is over the weekend I saw a story about the NCAA expanding or possibly expanding the schedule. I wasn't sure what that was all about. Is there some kind of thought that uh, maybe another game is going to be added to the schedules? From what I've heard, no. And I haven't looked into it too deeply, but from what I've heard, it's just that they're going to they're looking at expanding the length of time that the schedule can take place. So. Uh, teams would have the opportunity to have two bye weeks, essentially. It would be a 14-week schedule. Uh, some, sometimes you see that kind of somewhat anyway. And, you know, the Big Ten actually, met, they went ahead after the 2006 fiasco in which Michigan got jumped by Florida to see Ohio State in the national championship game. That's when the Big Ten went to ex- an expanded schedule themselves uh, to allow uh, – to allow the, you know, their teams to be showcased for a little bit longer. So I will, I'll be interested to see where it goes. I mean, as far as it stands right now, they're not talking about adding other games, but you know how this goes. It's always, well, we're going to do this, and then eventually they're going to want to add more games. But if they're going to add more games, what they really need to do is expand that playoff. And I've heard, I've, you know, I've heard reasons for and against, but when you look at the fact that uh, some of those uh, – Lower tier division schools, uh, Division two and three, uh, that they have uh, that that you know they have playoffs there, and they make that work, and at least you get a true champion that way. And it's uh, it's it would be a good start if they were to actually start uh, looking at adding more games, would do it in a postseason sense. As we mentioned before we started taping, I have your partner uh, in crime, Steve Lorenz, on the show once a month to update recruiting. I don't think much has changed in the last couple of weeks. We're standing still mm, right around 10. I think it's 10 verbals right now. The uh, Nike opening is wrapping up, actually, as we record today. Do you think we're going to see some more verbals come our way before the season starts, or is it going to be you know, pretty quiet into the fall? Uh, I think you've got a chance to see some, some, you know, a couple roll in. Uh, there's some that uh, I, I haven't actually actively used my crystal ball this summer, uh, just for the sake of the way that I use it, if I, I don't want to get Intel from elsewhere and, and use it, I use it only solely when I get Intel given directly to me from either a recruit or someone close to the school. But uh, our national director of recruiting, Steve Wilfong, went ahead and put one in for a linebacker, Cameron McGrone, out of uh, Indianapolis. He's there at the opening. He's a four-star. He got an offer from Michigan a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's the guy that you could look to that possibly – uh, dropping any time. Uh, don't really know what his timeline is offhand right now, but as far as I've uh, as far as I've seen from this guy, he's he's someone that could make that decision sooner than later. Uh, I do think that you you're not going to see the flurry uh, of recruits uh, committing that we saw like we did last summer solely for the idea that this you know like you said there's ten commits right now. They they are looking at between 18 and 20 spots total. So there's a, a level of being selective here, and they're in on a lot of high uh, tiered guys that are you know going to take their recruitment not necessarily the distance, but they're going to take it well into fall and want to go through their officials and and see uh, see what's out there first. Uh, a lot of guys are coming down to unfortunately you're seeing a lot of Michigan and Ohio State battles. Guys like tight end Jeremy Ruckert, uh, who's a guy that I don't expect to decide anytime soon either. But that's uh, that's kind of the, just where, where you're at with the smaller class. They they got a bunch of guys to commit somewhat earlier, and 
uh, right now, uh, you're just kind of seeing the board just kind of sipping itself out slowly but surely. But yeah, there there might be one or two that I could see dropping before we get to uh, get to the start of the season. But it's going to be, I think, relatively quiet for a little bit of a while. Now I say that, and of course, in my next couple of days very very well could be busy uh, writing up a bunch of uh, articles about Michigan commits because that's how that always goes. But uh, as far as I expect, I don't I don't see it happening. Uh, I don't see expect a big flurry of any uh, guys uh, choosing for the maize and blue right in the second. The recruiting game is just so crazy, hard to predict. Michigan fans I hear from are always nervous. It seems uh, very nervous right now, especially because they're reading all of the services and saying, "Hey, we have the fourth best class in the Big Ten right now." But this is still uh, even at ten verbals and with uh, a lot of big guys on the board uh, yet to commit. Still a pretty darn good recruiting class so far, isn't it, Isaiah? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've, you've got some really, really good guys in this class. And just because it's, it's not at the top, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard for them to be in the top 10 of the 24-7 uh, sports composite. They'll probably be around there, but only just strict, you know, strictly due to the size of the class. It has nothing to do with the, uh, the caliber of guy that they're bringing in. Cause they are bringing in a lot, of, uh, a lot of really good players as it is. Uh, I mean, you've got guys like Spider Sims, that's uh, you know the cornerback out of uh, Westlake, Atlanta, Georgia, that's uh, been committed, or Emil Echior, the he's been kind of the cornerstone of this class, got things uh, rolling early last year. Uh, you know, Otis Reese, I think people forget about him since he's been committed for over a year now. So they've got a lot of really great pieces uh, that are that are a part of this class. The thing is that a lot of them aren't aren't as sexy as. I guess is what I would say as some of the guys that we saw commit last year, uh, last year, you're wait, you're waiting on a lot of the skill position guys and, you know, like Donovan Peoples Jones and Ambry Thomas and, and, and guys like that. But in quick succession in, uh, in the month of May, Michigan got both Ryan Hayes and Jalen Mayfield. And, uh, they're both very highly ranked, especially for, uh, from us directly at 24 seven sports, uh, Mayfield, the top hundred guy, Ryan Hayes, uh, he's, uh, he's right up there with him. And when they committed, there wasn't that fervor you normally see from, uh, from fans when Michigan lands, these guys that are in the top 24 seven. So, uh, same thing with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, I, I think it's probably cause a lot of people saw him as a, uh, something of a lock being a son of Chris Hutchinson. So, uh, he's another guy that's a top 24 seven guy. I think if he, if he was out of state and you started, you know, he wasn't a lock, uh, People would be going nuts over some of these guys, but the in-state class, they're just kind of locking it down, and with a lot of them being uh, offensive and defensive linemen, you're not seeing the same kind of fervor that you would see in uh, years past with, uh, with uh, you know, some of these guys that would might be skill position players or, uh, or, or just guys from out of state that have a lot of uh, – had a – a lot of cloud on the recruiting trail with a lot of offers, but some of some of these players they've been reeling in. They they don't necessarily have a lot of offers, but when you see their skill out when they're doing these camps and when they're doing uh, high school football and everything like that, you can see that these guys are head and shoulders above uh, a lot of other players like uh, Jalen Mayfield, for instance. We saw him at the the big man camp uh, two weeks ago, and he looked he looked special. He looked really good. Uh, basically won every rep that he was in. He was fast. He was a uh, he along with Aiden Hutchinson were always in the top three when it came to the uh, 
the speed drills and the shuttles and everything like that that they were running there. So they're, uh, they got some guys that are really good. They just kind of been away under the radar as far as fans are concerned. Well, aside from all of the, uh, the recruiting chatter with the camps uh, and all the last couple of months, Jim Harbaugh seems to find a way to stay in the news, even in July. Did you catch his uh, YouTube video that he put out over the weekend? Yeah, he's starting up that uh, he's starting up his own YouTube account. It, it <laughs> looks like so that's going to be. I'm interested to see what he does because he says right in the description that it's going to be about like football, family, and faith. And I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, what all we see out of him because are we going to see? Uh, is he going to give some little mini sermons there when I see the faith thing? Uh, obviously, he's a devout Catholic. Uh, uh, he also posted to Instagram this weekend, which he rarely does, showing him out on the lake at Lake Walloon up there in Cap Michigania. So, uh, wondering are we going to see? Uh, he was out on a like a little schooner type uh, situation. I'm kind of hoping that we maybe see a YouTube of uh, some first person, uh, <laughs> first person aggressive boating action that I would assume we'd see from Jim Harbaugh. Uh, it was funny. I, as soon as I uh, clicked on it, I thought, oh boy, the critics and people. Had- don't like Jim Harbaugh are going to love this. He's on vacation. He's uh, in his coaching hat, his Michigan hat. He's got his Michigan uh, jacket on. It just looked so funny. But, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see where he goes with this. You know what? Jim Harbaugh directs to the people. Don't let us media types uh, water down the message, you know, that he's trying to send. I kind of kind of like the unfiltered, uh, unfiltered Jim as much as we can get him. Uh, you know, for a change, a lot of the kick times, Isaiah, were released earlier than normal this year, and we have more noon kicks, so I know a lot of Michigan fans are going to like that. But the announcement of who the night game will be against hasn't really been finalized yet. But do you think the odds are pretty darn good we're going to be playing the Spartans under the lights in the big house this year? I think so. That's part of the reason why we we haven't heard uh, anything about that is because it's uh uh, the Big Ten somewhat ceded the control, or I shouldn't say ceded, they took the control away from the schools a little bit with uh, where, who, you know, about night game scheduling. Uh, schools can't necessarily veto. I mean, they can, set up a, they can set up their own night game if they want, but if the Big Ten, and well, along with the Big Ten Network, decides that they want to have a, uh, or even ESPN, I believe, uh, the way it's working. And I guess I should throw Fox in the mix because I forget sometimes that Fox has now uh, got the deal with the Big Ten. But they've got uh, the networks along with the conference have the ability now to say that game's a night game. And even though I do not expect Michigan State to be competitive this year, uh, much like I, I said the same thing going into last year, I didn't expect them to be a very good team. No, I didn't expect three and nine, but... I didn't expect them to be a very good team last year. But in that case, regardless of their uh, of how they perform, I would ex- I would think that that would be the night game that they're going to choose because you know that they're going to want to have a uh, – you know the networks along with the conference are going to want to have Michigan in prime time at some point. That's the game that makes sense is to have Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, and uh, – you know, a lot of the other big games that they have around the road, and some of them are already night games like the Penn State game. So it's uh, it's the one that makes the most sense, especially since the game time hasn't been announced yet. Uh, that means that the uh, the networks are definitely mulling over about what time that they want to have that game. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what the deadline is for them to make the decision. I'm, I'm sure it goes well into the season. Uh, just like usually we see, we don't see a lot of these game times announced until a week or two before. So 
Uh, I'll be curious to see, uh, especially just considering the nature of that rivalry, if it does become a night game, uh, how uh, how prepared Ann Arbor is for that. Uh, I mean, it might it, if Michigan State's still not very good, I guess it probably is much ado about nothing because, I mean, we saw going to Spartan Stadium last year, the, the crowd was half uh, Michigan fans, so they aren't as enthusiastic about their team right now, and they have good reason to not be. That would be the game that I would, that I would point to. I, I wouldn't imagine that Rutgers would be of. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think the game time for that one's been announced, uh, if I remember correctly. So I don't imagine that one would be a very big draw for any for the networks to throw that one at night. I think that makes sense, even though both athletic directors have made it pretty clear uh, they're not really uh, thrilled about that decision or maybe wouldn't go that way themselves but as you said uh, the Big Ten pretty much seeded over kick times to uh, the network so we'll just see how that plays out in the coming weeks and months they as you said they have time before they have to make that announcement they being the networks well right now Isaiah we're in sort of that speculation period uh, before camp begins um, and the season starts uh, the preseason magazines are out so for the next six or seven weeks we're going to be talking and talking about uh, the upcoming season and the previews I've read as many as I can right now. I, I usually burn out come late July on previews. Sort of a mixed bag what I read. I find it interesting, a lot of these analyst experts, whether it's Athlon or ESPN, some of these guys say Michigan's going to take a step backward or they're going to compete for the Big Ten Championship and a playoff spot. I mean, the analysts are all over the map on these guys. Uh, it's really a hard, hard team to uh, to predict right now, isn't it? Yeah, because... The the thing is, is you've got so many guys that we haven't seen a lot of meaningful minutes on the field that are going to be stepping in and being starters in a, a lot of places, and so there's there's a lot of question marks that makes it so it's a very difficult proposition to really pigeonhole what this team's going to be. Uh, I think part of that too, uh, I don't think this gets talked about enough, is that the you know they're going to live and die with with the line play, and on the defensive side, obviously they're going to be really good. Uh, this defensive line, in my opinion, uh, very well could be better than last year's. Uh, now they aren't going to have quite as much rotational depth as they did last year, of course, but uh, a lot more explosiveness and athletic uh, ability on the line uh, compared to last year. So that's going to be that's going to be really good, but. On the offensive side of the ball, I think the offensive line, however they end up cobbling that together, that's going to be, that's going to tell you what how successful this Michigan team is going to be. Uh, you got a second-year starting quarterback, most likely, and Wilton Spate coming in, obviously. So that usually spells a lot of, you know, that spells success usually by bringing in a guy that, uh, despite much of the fan outrage that surrounds Spate for reasons I don't even understand to be honest uh he had a very good season last year from a statistical standpoint uh yeah the last couple games didn't go as planned but still threw for about 62 63 percent uh completion uh had a very favorable touchdown to interception ratio uh really even though like he he did gamble every now and again a lot of that to me was him trusting his guys to go out there and make plays knowing that he didn't necessarily have to be super precise because he had guys like Darbo and Chesson. So if the offensive line can protect him and also, you know, keep, you know, opening holes for a lot of these, 
these running backs that we don't have that Devion Smith on the roster anymore, but they've got guys like Chris Evans that are a little bit more shifty or I'm curious to see what, uh, what comes of Kareem Walker this year. Uh, he can kind of be, I think a little bit of a mix of a Devion and, uh, Chris Evans and as far as his ability, but it's all going to start and end with that line. If the line can really come together, that really would, I think, propel Michigan into another double-digit win season. The other position that I'm going to be really looking uh, out for is the secondary, and I think that they are definitely in a position to succeed with a lot of these young corners and, and uh, safeties. Uh, safety probably having a little bit more experience because you got Tyree Kennel coming in, uh, junior who's, who's gotten a lot of playing time, has already looked the part. Uh, but at cornerback, they've got David Long and LaVert Hill being the likely starters, and we haven't seen too much out of those guys outside of, uh, outside of high school. And I saw plenty of them in high school while they were recruits, and they were locked down. Uh, both of them are really, really, really good. But we're going to have to see it in games. And uh, we're, we keep on hearing from, uh, from the staff that these guys are, you know, they're on the verge of doing something that's great. I, I've heard from Jermaine Crowell from uh, the coach of Belleville, who uh, used to be the defensive coordinator at Cass Tech. He, he said that he thinks LaVert Hill is going to be better than, uh, than J.D., Jordan Lewis. And, uh, and uh, we talked to Harbaugh about that last fall. He said that he thinks that that's a possibility. And J.D. said that he thinks he'll be better than him. So uh, if these guys can come in and live up to their potential, there's no reason why they can't have a season like Ohio State did last year. Uh, it's they've kind of in a similar situation with having having a line that's questionable, having a returning starter at quarterback, uh, breaking in all new players along the secondary, uh, having a couple guys on the line that have shown promise. They're almost in an identical situation to what Ohio State was last year. So it's just a matter of going out there and playing the schedule. We're going to learn a lot really quickly when they play Florida. I think that they'll. Uh, I, I do think that they'll beat Florida, but I'm kind of back and forth on that. And if it, if they can go out and, and actually take care of business in that first game, I think that that's a pretty good sign that we might be seeing a situation very similar to what we saw from the Buckeyes last year where the young team, but because they've got so much talent, they're able to go out there and have that double-digit win season. A lot of Michigan fans putting a lot on that game, uh, saying that you know if we lose that game – uh, we're out of the playoff picture. I'm not sure about that. I mean, this is a very good Florida team like you. I expect us to beat them, but uh, there is just a lot of importance being put on this game, isn't there? There is. It's because it's it's a very quick barometer. Now, I, I wouldn't say they'd be out of the playoffs if they lose that game. Uh, fact of the matter is, is you the, the, even though they said the playoff committee says that every game's important, we've seen that those early season games don't tend to mean as much. Because uh, you can lose that game and fall out of the rankings, but win the next eleven, and you're uh, you're going to climb right back up into the, that thing. So uh, you don't really know what these teams are until until they play either. So uh, that's always the thing. Look at uh, look at Col- Mich- you know Michigan versus Colorado last year. Now, in my prediction, I was I thought Michigan was going to uh, blow them out. Yeah, but that was kind of a because I thought the Michigan-UCF game was going to be a lot closer. But I also noted that Colorado was no slouch of a team that they were going to surprise some people. And 
by by the end of the season, we saw that Colorado was that indeed surprise team in the Pac-12 that did surprise some people. You never know sometimes which ones, which of these teams are going to rise up. And Florida has been to the big, uh, I'm sorry, not the big, but the uh, SEC championship game a couple years now. And yeah, they were on the losing end on both sides because they go up against the uh, powerhouse Crimson Tide, but same time, you know, they've got some really good players down there. They've got some really good coaches and uh, they got some, uh, some guys coming in like Malik Sayer that could actually prove to be the difference maker at a uh, quarterback, maybe give them a little bit of offense. So it's, it's, it's going to be, I think what a, a good barometer for both teams to see where they are. I don't think it's make or break. Uh, but I do think that like if Michigan comes out and they and they win that game with all you know with all that young talent, that at least sets an expectation for what's going to happen during the season. There, you know, the defense looked phenomenal against you know, let's say Zaire starts and and slinging the ball around, but you know you see the defense make plays, then at least you know like all right, maybe maybe that secondary is going to be going to be all right. Uh, or if they go out there and make a lot of mistakes against a a team that you just can't be making a lot of mistakes against, then you know, then you can you can look at the season and say, well, yeah, this might this might take a minute to to gel and to become more cohesive. But it's it really isn't a make or break game. It should be a really fun game, uh, and obviously you want to start that off with a with a victory. But much like in the game against Utah uh, two years ago, it, it probably it probably doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things about getting the playoffs. It will help if you win, but I don't think it's going to hurt you that bad if you lose. Florida aside, to me, uh, and again, we have not seen a down yet, so we, we don't know what to expect. And you want to play a tough schedule at Michigan. Everyone says that. But when I see, again, Florida neutral site, then Wisconsin, Penn State on the road, and that Penn State game is their whiteout game at night. And then we've got the Spartans. Who knows what we're going to get from Michigan State. And then Ohio State at home. I think even if you had a veteran team, this is a tough schedule, Isaiah. Yeah, that's definitely a tough schedule, especially when you get that uh, that uh, a cross conference game against uh, Wisconsin. You have arguably the best team on that side of the uh, on that side of the conference, so that's always going to make it a bit tougher, especially going on the road to uh, to Madison, Camp Randall, uh, Penn State at night's always tough. It doesn't really seem to matter how good. Michigan is or how bad Penn State is and obviously this is going to be a good Penn State team uh, Michigan tends to struggle when they go uh, to Happy Valley especially at night uh, if I'm a Michigan fan uh, I'm hoping that that was no fluke last year especially with even with all the different you know starters coming in for Michigan the 49 to 10 I mean, that certainly did not look competitive uh, I, I knew walking down the tunnel last year uh the moment that i saw penn state's team just looking at them i at first i was like oh, all right these are the specialists that are coming uh coming off and then they just kept coming and kept coming and i was like oh wow they're these guys are half the size of michigan's team it so it makes you wonder a little bit about the way these teams are built if michigan's just built to be able to beat a team like penn state the way they did last year uh, but being on on the road at night, that that's a tough proposition. Regardless, uh, we saw obviously Ohio State falter uh, against them last year. There, same scenario. Ohio State looked the superior team for 90% of the game, and they still ended up losing. So, uh, 
that's difficult. And then you don't even want to count out some of those early uh, early season games, Cincinnati and Air Force. Uh, Cincinnati, yeah, might they they might not uh, be able to come away with a victory, you know, in Luke Fickle's first year there. But Fickle knows a little something about uh, beating Michigan, unfortunately. And since he's still got to build uh, the Bearcats up from where they were, and it might take him a few years, but that's still that's still a team you don't really want to see in a non-conference game. And Air Force is a team you really don't want to see in a non-conference game. Don Brown's admitted several times in the last couple months that he's been thinking about that triple option that they run pretty much nonstop. They were, they were installing parts of that defense while in Rome. Now, how often does that happen where you've got a non-conference game against a, a school like a military academy, and in April you're nervously trying to install your defense to defend it? That's, uh, that's a lot of respect. So there, there's definitely, definitely a lot of uh, areas where Michigan could uh, could see some pitfalls there. Uh, Wisconsin, I think, is a, is a game that I wouldn't necessarily expect them to go in there and win, uh, considering how close the game was last year at home. Even though Michigan looked to be in control in the 14-7 win on the road, that makes it a little bit more scary. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, that's it's not a certainly not an easy schedule. It's just nice that Michigan State and Ohio State are at home this year because that gives them uh it gives them a little bit something extra to work with. Well, one of the things that I worry about is that we were fortunate enough to have Kenny Allen handling all the kicking chores the last few years. This season, we'll have two new faces, probably uh, Quinn Nordine kicking. Uh, we think uh, maybe Brad Robbins, the true freshman from Westerville, Ohio, punting. Both of these kids have huge legs. We know that. Uh, but still, uh, this is going to be an area of concern until we see it on Saturday, isn't it, Isaiah? I, to a degree. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just being cavalier about it, but I, I'm, I'm really confident in the group that they have. Uh, maybe that's also from uh, – we did a little, little sit-down after uh, the season was over with uh, Kenny Allen, and we talked a little bit about the special teams, and, and he was – he kind of had that cavalier attitude of like, oh, whether it's uh, whether it's Nordine or uh, Ryan Tice or Kyle Seychelles or you know, or on the other side, if it's uh, Robbins or uh, you, you just go you go down the list and some of these guys, Will Hart, it, it's uh, it, it it really kind of feels like they're in good hands. And we saw obviously during the spring game how some of these guys looked. Uh, and also after that, like on Instagram, we've seen uh, Quinn Nordine's posted some stuff to the social media. We saw Kyle Seychelles just rock one in the spring game there at the end. And there's just, there's so many, so many guys. So, so I, I'm not phrasing this well, but there's so many guys that can come in and make an impact. I think that actually speaks a lot to, what they were able to learn from Kenny, who really I feel stabilized, helped stabilize the special teams from that route, uh, as well as having uh, the coaches that they have, and Chris Partridge and Jay Harbaugh. I think that they've, uh, uh, who built upon what John Baxter really kind of started with the uh, special teams. It, it it just doesn't feel to me to be as as scary as it had been in the past, where you almost might as well not even have gone out and kicked the field goal, for instance. And uh, they, they've definitely got some guys there that can make some plays. I think the thing that scares me a little bit more on special teams is who's going to be returning the ball. Now that you don't have Jabril Peppers, that's uh, 
that is where I have no idea who they're going to trot out there. Zero idea. Uh, any other position, I probably have a pretty good idea of at least who's the two deep. I, I couldn't even I can't even imagine who's going to end up being the kicker punt returners, and that that's what actually scares me a little bit more. A last question for you, though, Isaiah. We know Ohio State thinks about us 24-7. I have a brother that lives down in Westerville, and uh, like he said, he's nauseated all year in the newspapers down there. They talk Michigan nonstop. When you look at the preseason stuff, they're, they're ranked in the top five just about everywhere from two to five. I guess it depends where you look. I'm uh, expected to win the Big Ten, vie for a playoff spot. Sooner or later, we've got to turn it around against these guys. You know, I'm not, I don't like to say any game is a must win, but do you think we're getting close to it this year that that Ohio State game is a must win for Jim Harbaugh? We're getting definitely closer to it. Uh, I think one of the, the things is, is from a perception standpoint, it's kind of hard to, uh, to go, you know, to, to walk away from the season and being 0-3 against Ohio State, I think even though Harbaugh clearly has this team on the right track, and he he took over what, in my eyes, is a much bigger project than it looked to be. Uh, the quick turnaround kind of masked a bit of that. Uh, but just a lot of the ways that this team had been built before he came here, despite having so many high-rated recruits, it just was kind of it was just kind of uh, happy-turvy a little bit, I guess, I, I would say, just the way it was built from a recruiting standpoint. And uh, he's stabilizing it, so that's that's the good thing. Now, yeah, they, they need to win. Uh, I don't think it's a complete disaster if they, if they were to lose to Ohio State this year. Ohio State's going to have a really good team, uh, as they do every year. But at the same time, we saw – we saw Michigan lose a game last year that they should have won on the road in Columbus. Uh, I think that game was completely taken from them. Uh, I, I, just being on the sidelines and everything, just watching the way that that, that the last five minutes of the regular, uh, of the, the regular game clock, <laughs> the way that that went down, just as soon as that, uh, as, as soon, as soon as the pass interference was called on Delano Hill, I, I I just felt like that was that was an omen of what was to come, unfortunately. But that game was taken from them. So being at home this year is really helpful. Obviously, it, obviously Michigan's got a young team, but by the time that they get to that game, they'll have 11 games under their belt. So they'll have grown up a bit. Uh, I I don't want to go as far as saying it's an absolute must-win for this year, but they've got to at least show with the, the same kind of metal they showed in the game last year, because I think 2018 is the year where we're going to finally start seeing the full effects of a Harbaugh team, much like it is last year at Stanford, where you start seeing a team that's just really dominant in the trenches and can run the ball and has that dynamic quarterback play. We're going to see everything from, Everything, everything that that we expected from Jim Harbaugh, it's all been pointing to 2018. So, it definitely would require a little bit of patience for fans if Michigan were to lose to Ohio State. I know that they'll give it to Harbaugh, but people will start chattering for sure if they can't win the game this year. I do think they will win the game this year, just because we saw them being able to take down that that team that a lot of people didn't think Michigan stood a chance against, to be honest, and. 
They did it with a quarterback that was definitely very injured, and uh, it, it was mistakes that cost them before it was the officiating that eventually did cost them. So I do think that uh, they, they've got to at least go out there and show that they're, they're able to take it to that next level. And from 2018 on, I, I would expect like Michigan needs to start winning two out of three. Uh, otherwise, then we're, we can be talking about failures about the game. It's a tough proposition to beat the Buckeyes, especially the way that team's built. Absolutely, but as you said, I'm not going to I'm not going to say must-win game, but oh boy, there's going to be a lot on the line come that Thanksgiving weekend. So we shall see. With us here on the show this week on a game day segment on the first show of July has been Michigan beat writer Isaiah Hole from 24-7 Sports. First time we've had Isaiah on the show. And once we get rolling with the previews and into the season, Isaiah, we hope that you'll um, come back on the show and chat with us. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, Mike. We're definitely, uh, anytime you want me on, I'm yours. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Amazing Brew. On Wolverine Quick Hits today, thanks to beat writer Isaiah Hole from 24-7 Sports for being our guest for the first time. He'll be back with us again during the season. Now, next week, I'm going to be on vacation up in northern Minnesota, relaxing, sort of getting the batteries charged for the coming season, which for this show means August through December. We'll be back on our weekly schedule in August, then twice a week during the season. On Tuesdays, we'll have our Michigan Game Day segment. Then on Thursday, the Visitors Edition, where we'll hear from the opposition's radio play-by-play voice or their beat writer. So I'm excited about that already. But first things first... And that's a little downtime up in northern Minnesota. While I'm away, we will still publish this month's Michigan Man Extra for you. I have it all ready. My guest will be Tammy Carr. We all know the very sad story of Chad Carr and what Tammy and Jason Carr have been doing with the Chad Tuff Foundation. Tammy will join us with her story and with a plea to help her and the foundation in the fight against pediatric cancers. So please join us next Tuesday for that. That will do it for this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Enjoy what's left of summer. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!